Thank you very much and good morning church and welcome to uh, the next instalment of our um, series called Covenant People, looking at the way the Holy Spirit empowers us as we come into covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So today we're continuing through the book of Acts and we'll be in chapter 8 and we're going to read a few verses and then unpack, read, unpack and we're going to do it that way. So let's start together looking at Acts chapter 8 and we're going to go from verse 4 to verse 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So we're going to just stop there. Now, I guess that on one level, you might read that and go, wow, and, and rightly so. But almost, also you might find yourself thinking, that's really unusual. And yet actually, as you read through the book of Acts, and then even later in the Bible, you realise that actually maybe it wasn't that unusual. If we go to the book of Hebrews, to the second chapter, um, there's a description of how the gospel is shared. And it, it says this, it talks about um, God bearing witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about, in there, that's chapter 2 of Hebrews, verses 4. He's talking about the, the normal spread of the gospel in the church age. That's, that's not just how it was. It's kind of how it is. It's kind of God's intention. And also, if you go back a bit to the gospels, you'll find similar Similar things, Jesus saying to his disciples, the works I did, you you will do greater than, not, not just the same, but you will do greater works than I did. Uh, and then in the Gospel of Mark, talking about the signs that will follow those who believe in his name as they go about um, go about their business preaching the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission. And so it's an extraordinary thing. But actually, it's normal. Let's just look at some of these things. Again, we're told that um, people paid attention when they heard him and when they saw the signs that he did. And so gospel proclamation, biblically, there's something to hear and there's something to see. Okay, Both are really important. It's not just something to hear, not just the message, not just something to see. It's always both, always together, which is why I believe that to proclaim the gospel, uh, a really important part of it is to offer to offer prayer, offer prayer for situations, offer prayer for people's illnesses and diseases, offer prayer for situations of torment and difficulty, offer prayer so that you are um, making an opportunity for God to move in power and show, and show himself strong. And maybe you're listening today and you've never experienced the power of Jesus in your life and you're thinking to yourself, well, do you know what? Actually, I'd, I'd love to believe in the gospel, um, but I also would love to see God move in power and answer prayers. Well, if there's believers that you know, ask them to pray. Say, say, can you pray for me? Can you can you do that? I've heard wonderful stories of people's lives being completely changed um, as other Christians have prayed for them. They've met with Jesus, and we should just expect this to be normal. We got to get our heads right. We mustn't think that our way of thinking, if we don't expect this, is right. And then we somehow take the, the what we see in the Bible and reduce it to what 
we experience or think. That's really wonky. That's really the wrong way around. We are to be straightened out by what we see in Scripture. I, I want us to pray for a return of this kind of gospel proclamation. I love it where it says that there was much joy in that city. What a thought. We live in one of the most extraordinary cities in the entire world. The um, variety, the diversity, um, the history, the opportunity. I mean, it's just magnificent we live here. But there's a lot of sadness in the city. There's a lot of loneliness in the city. There's a lot of, um, there's an underbelly to the city that is actually very, very dark. We're told here that there was much joy in that city through powerful gospel proclamation, through people whose bodies had been broken and under the preaching of the gospel, their bodies were healed, who had been under the influence of demonic power, dark spiritual power, tormenting, evil, dark grip, broken by the the good news of Jesus Christ, broken. So that now, ah, in their right mind, no longer under that icy darkness, that icy grip, but the warmth of the love of God flowing into their hearts through the message of Jesus Christ. God, this is this is the heart of God. This is the will of God. This is the plan of God. Church, we are the people of God. And increasingly, let us let us open the door to the power of the Spirit by offering to pray for people and uh, just look into the Lord, expecting him to move on our behalf. Let's uh, let's read on now. Verses 9 to 13. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed. He was amazed. So we've got this man, Philip, and the story zones in on him for a few moments. We've got this man who's used to amazing people who now is seeing something of a completely different order and who himself is amazed. That word comes through there. But I want you to notice something here because because this sermon today is going to focus in on this man and how he gets it wrong, how he gets it terribly wrong. But I want you to notice that something is said twice. It's very important. We are told that um, they all paid attention to him. There in verse 10 and in verse 11, they paid attention to him. This was a man who was used to a lot of attention. He was used to being spoken about, held in awe, held in respect. He was used to people coming to him. He was used to probably being somewhat, maybe people were somewhat afraid of him in some way. He had power. He had uh, He operated in occultic power and as a result people were impressed by him and he was he people would people would come to him he was in the center if you like it's important context that we understand that as we as we move on as we look at this guy and see where it went wrong so let's read what happens again verses 14 to 17 now just continuing to set the scene now 
when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And that's really, really important that we understand what's going on here. The gospel had been proclaimed in power. People's lives had been changed. People had been born again. They'd been baptised in the name of Jesus. So they had experienced the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was now dwelling inside of them. Because you can't believe in Jesus and be born again without the power of the Holy Spirit. They were they'd become brand new people when you're born again. You become brand new. You're given a, a new heart, spiritually speaking. And so we mustn't get it wrong and just think that somehow, I don't know, um, everything that was going on was just kind of cerebral or just intellectual. No, no, no. We can see there's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in healing, signs and wonders, deliverance from dark powers. The Holy Spirit's powerfully at work. But there's a certain work of the Holy Spirit that hadn't taken place. The Holy Spirit hadn't come upon them. And it's really important that we understand the difference between the Holy Spirit indwelling us, that happens at salvation, but then the Holy Spirit coming upon us in power to empower us so that we can speak about Jesus freely and effectively, so that we can use spiritual gifts, so that we can prophesy, so that we can speak in and pray in languages we've never heard before. This is this is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, we looked at it a few weeks ago, when the, when, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. They hadn't experienced this. They'd been healed, they'd been delivered, they'd been born again, but there was an empowering that they had not yet experienced have you experienced it it's really important to have you received power you might say well my body's been healed praise god you might say i'm a new creation i'm not who i'm born again hallelujah you might say i was under the grip of dark torment but now my mind is clear my spirit is free praise god that's powerful that is the powerful work of god in your life but now i'm asking you have you been empowered have you received the power in order to be able to live the christian life effectively and fruitfully that is the inheritance of every belief it's a covenant promise we're going to look at it as we go through today but first let's start by looking at it through the lenses of a guy who got it totally wrong Let's read verses 18 to 24. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, he offered the money saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. This is a little bit awkward, isn't it? It's a bit of an embarrassing situation here. What is going on? And why, is, why does Simon do this? Well, what he does is he sees that when the apostles come, 
Part of what they've been charged by God to do is to lay their hands on people for the receiving of power in the Holy Spirit. He sees it and he says, wow, I want to be able to do that. That looks amazing. I, I want that. And so what might appear quite innocent, maybe just he's a bit ignorant. He offers them some money. Can, can I want to do this too. Um, but actually, when we begin to dig into it a bit, we begin to understand some of Peter's very strong words to him. Because remember what this man was used to. He was used to what? He was used to attention. He was used to people paying him a lot of attention. Well, that's all changed now. So it changed because the gospel was being proclaimed and the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And now everyone's focus is on Jesus. <laughs> everyone's focus. Philip's proclaiming Jesus. Peter and John come and they lay, lay hands on them, but it's all being done in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, and so this man is now being eclipsed by Jesus and by the servants of Jesus. And most likely something in him is saying, do you know what? I love all this. I love this good news. I love this new power. I've not seen anything like it before. But uh, I'm also bewailing the fact that people are no longer talking about me as the great power of God. Whereas, you see, if I can if I can get this, then, you know, we get the best of both worlds. Let me just say this and make it really, really clear. Um, it is God's plan that everybody and everything be utterly eclipsed by Jesus. He is the hero. He is the main character in the story. He is the rescuer, the deliverer, the saviour, the captain, the shepherd. He is the bread of life. He is the great I am. He is the door which you must go through if you're going to find pasture. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. It's all about Jesus. It is the Father's will that Jesus has the supremacy in all things. The Father has given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And until we are willing for both ourselves and everything else in our lives to be eclipsed, by Jesus, we will not be able to know him in a liberating and loving relationship because he's Lord and he only comes to be Lord. But you know what? This is not bad news. This is good news because when he is Lord, he liberates us from every other power that shouldn't have the hold on our hearts that it does and that keeps us in slavery and keeps us trapped he liberates us. And so when we are utterly eclipsed by Jesus, we are freer than we have ever been. And and he glorifies us and he raises us up and he loves us and adopts us and he seals us with his Holy Spirit and he draws us into his very heart and he treats us wonderfully and perfectly and he never ever forsakes us. So it's all good news, but we've got to get to grips with the reality of the fact that it is absolutely the purpose of God that all things be eclipsed by Jesus. But you see, there's this other thing as well where he offers money. And I want to look at this because Peter says this thing too. He says, may your silver perish with you. You thought you could obtain the gift of God 
with money. And I want to just spend the, the, the rest of this message just unpacking some truth about the gift of God. Number one, a gift is not a reward. So many people approach the empowering and the baptizing in the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, as a reward. Have I done enough? Have I made myself worthy enough? The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The gift and reward are very different. Now listen, they're both good. They're both good. And actually in the Bible, the Lord will use um, rewards as a motivation for lots of things. So rewards are not wrong. But it's different from gifts. Let me explain it like this. Um, our children are part of our family by gift. Um, they didn't do anything to be loved by us, to be in our embrace, to be provided for by us, to be nurtured and cared for and loved and trained and disciplined and uh, to belong. They didn't do anything. Just gift. Okay, Absolute gift. Part of our developing them and wanting them to see them do well in life and grow into maturity is that we will motivate them by reward and we will motivate them by loss. So we'll say, you know, look after your bedroom and you get your pocket money. Do your chores and you get your pocket money. Don't do your chores and you don't. So reward and loss. Now, that's just about motivating them to mature, to grow, to flourish, to develop, to learn how to take responsibility so that they learn that they don't remain perpetual infants. Okay, You see, so reward is great. And the father is exactly the same. Our heavenly father, he will motivate us with rewards and with loss. He'll say, be faithful with what I entrust with you and do well with it, invest it, use what I give you for the kingdom. And I'll reward you. I'll give you more. I'll give you eternal things. I love, he loves being generous like that. Basically, if you're lazy with it, if you just bury it and hide it and are timid with what I give you and don't use it, then there will be loss. You know, I'll take what I've given you, I'll give it to someone else because you didn't do anything with it anyway. Okay, so there is there is the prospect of eternal reward and eternal loss for God's children. Okay, it's reward. It's wonderful. It's good. It works and it motivates us to grow. Okay, but it's different from gift and the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. He, he, he is the, it's the promise of the father. He, he he's, he's gift. So, so Christmas is gift. We never say to our children, if you don't behave well, you're not going to get anything for Christmas. Why? Because they're not Christmas rewards. They're Christmas presents. They're gifts. They're nothing to do with how well you behaved. And so we don't do all that, whether you've been good or bad. Santa's naughty list. We don't do any of that. Well, they're teenagers now, so you know they wouldn't believe us anyway. But the whole thing, it's all about it's gift. It's it's just delight. We just lavish on you. Birthday, we give you gift. Often we'll just we'll just buy you stuff because we just love you. Okay. The Holy Spirit is is the promise of the Father, and He is a gift to us. And we have to get our heads around that. Because if we don't, we can end up insulting the giver. If someone gives you a gift and you start fishing around in your pocket to pay them, it actually it actually has a negative impact on the giver because it's a gift that's been given to you. You see, the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Father loves to give good gifts to his children. The Father loves to give the Holy Spirit to his children. The Father knows that we don't have the power to live an effective Christian life. So he loves to empower us so we can live lives that are really fruitful. He loves to do that. The Holy Spirit 
is a gift. And so here it's really blatant, money, silver. It's really blatant, but we can do it in much more kind of subtle ways. We can try to develop a transaction mentality with God rather than just saying, Lord, fill me with your power because I need you. Rather than saying, Lord, I, I just want to know your Holy Spirit so close to me. So just come and draw near to me. The Holy Spirit comes and he, he, he communicates the love of God into our heart. This isn't reward. My children don't earn my love. Just love them. It's a gift. So that's really important. The second thing about gift is that it's based on relationship. Here, this is a business transaction. I'll give you some silver. You give me, I want to lay hands. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. It's based on relationship. And I think we've got to be really careful here when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're not thinking in kind of impersonal terms. Give me power. The Spirit of God is the presence of God, the nearness of God. He, he's a person. He, he comes. He's the counselor, the comforter. He comes and brings the presence of God, which is powerful into our lives so we can live in the power of God. He's a he. He's, he's the, the context is relationship. The father comes to his children. We've become sons of God through being joined to the Son, okay? So being joined to Jesus, the Son makes us sons. So we're in relationship with God by his Spirit already. And we say, Father, I just need more and more of your Spirit to fill me. It's a relational encounter. It's a family relationship. It's not trying to win something, trying to earn something. It's not business. It's nothing like that. It's family. It's family. But I need more power. The word dunamis, it kind of means just, it's like force. It's like the ability to just to do what you couldn't do before. Like, I can't speak. My mouth, I get, my mouth is, it dries up. I, I can't say the words. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the power to speak. Fill my mouth with words, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, empower me in my praying. Holy Spirit, I want to I I hear the voice of God. Come and empower me in prophecy. Empower me to lay my hands on the sick and, and see them get well. Come, Spirit of God, empower me. My Father, Father. That's, and, you know, in Luke 11, Jesus, he, he's speaking to guys and he's saying, you're, you're, you're evil. Disciples, you're evil. Compared to God, you're evil. But you know how to give good gifts to your children. You know how to bless your children, even though you're corrupt, broken, fallen. How much more? That's the logic. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open. Luke chapter 11. In Matthew, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? In Luke, how much will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Specifically there. Okay. Give good gifts to those who ask. They're children. You're my father. You're perfect. I'm going to ask and I'm going to keep asking. I want to keep on being filled and filled and filled and filled again. I want to live my life full of the Holy Spirit so I can overflow the presence of Jesus. So it's a family relationship. And I meditate on the goodness of God, the perfect fatherhood of God. I meditate on that. It fills me with confidence. Of course, of course he's going to do it. Jesus says to the people, you know, if your, if your children ask you for like bread, you don't give them a stone. If they ask you for a fish, you don't give them a snake. You ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit, isn't he? Of course he is. And then finally, it's a gift to us based on Christ's work. So even if you may be struggling thinking, this just seems such a precious gift and what have I done to deserve it? 
Well, you know, nothing, nothing. But I tell, I tell you, there is one who has done something extraordinary to deserve it on your behalf. And you see, so the more we understand the work of Jesus Christ for us, the more we realise I can receive the Spirit as a gift because the Spirit comes not as a result of my holiness. The Spirit comes as a result of Jesus Christ's work. That's the basis. We are told that as Jesus ascends to heaven, having completely dealt with sin and the devil and all of the enemies, and he ascends to be back at the Father's right hand, the Spirit is poured out. The sun goes up, the spirit comes down. The sun's work is complete, the gift is poured out. And so it's not just a gift in the sense that we don't earn it. It's also a gift in the sense it has been earned. Jesus has worked. Jesus, the the travail of his soul is unlike the travail of any other soul that has ever happened on the planet. Jesus has worked for our inheritance. Jesus, the son, has been utterly faithful and through his own obedience has has been declared righteous in the sight of the Father. And so as we are joined to Jesus Christ in faith, trust in him and his sufficiency the sufficiency the sufficiency of who he is and what he has done his righteousness is given to us as a gift and his spirit is poured out on us as a gift and so brothers and sisters let me just assure you today that the father loves to empower his children not just once but time and time again with the holy spirit he loves to bring us into the power of the Spirit. This, this, is, this isn't just for one or two special ones. This is for the children of God. This is the inheritance of the children of God. Let's be in faith. Let's believe God. Let's ask for more and more of his Spirit to be poured out on us. And let's end in prayer. Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Your spirit is gift, not reward. Thank you so much that we ask for the gift of the spirit based on our relationship to you as children whom you love to bless. And we thank you that the work has been done by your son so that we can receive freely. And now I pray for fresh power, fresh power on the church, fresh power on your people, Lord. Not that we might be selfish, not that we might hold this to ourselves, but that we might be an extraordinary blessing, that, Lord, we might proclaim the name of Jesus with wonderful effectiveness and that people can discover what we have discovered in Christ, forgiveness of sins and a new life and and joy, that this city may be full of joy as the gospel goes out in power. Lord, we dare to ask you for that today. Would you keep us from anything that would insult you, anything that would undermine this extraordinary gift of your spirit that you want to keep pouring out on us. And that, Lord, as we honour you and the way you've set this up, that your grace will be magnified. People would see how gracious and kind and generous and what a perfect father you are. And that we would love you more and more. We pray for this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.